You're listening to the ABC Music Talk podcast, a show for those interested in the music industry. This episode takes a look at a recent merger between my good friend's management company and one on the other side of the planet. Therefore, shoehorning this fascinating individual into the current affairs category. But first, a reminder to go Rota your videos. Rota is for artists, managers, labels, or anyone in the music industry who needs to create video content for promotion or monetization. Rota makes it fast, easy, and inexpensive to do all of that in one place. Head to www.abcmusic.co and click the Rota logo on the homepage to access a 10% off discount for the service. Now, my guest this week is not only someone who I've worked with during my time at Ingrews, Warner and Empire, but someone who has become a close personal friend too, which is just one of those wonderful things about this industry. So welcome to the show, the fascinating Graham Perkins. What's an intro, Alex? You Thank like you that? ever so much, mate. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, that man. was really cool. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, you've got to look after your friends, I've got right? Go- I've got goose. You know, but that's that's more just because you're looking at my lovely face, isn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly, well, there you go. exactly. Uh, yeah. A great face for radio. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I've, 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 I've written this very silly thing, I'll be honest with you, as a way to introduce this. So you, I, it's mm. you, I can get away with this because I know you won't judge me too much any more than you already do. Okay, so, Gra- <laughs> so, so Graham, what just happened? You were, you were being all grey in London and now you're painting doors grey and leaving them open? What's going on? Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, right. What a great way to segue into this. Uh, Seamless. Yes, well done, mate. A face for radio. I'm glad you said that and not me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> You've been thinking about that, haven't you? You're like, how do I tell him? Damn. <laughs> haven't I seen you before on TV? <laughs> no. Interference. Yeah, we've heard that Interfe- one before, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, lovely. Uh, anyway, anyway, to answer the question, mate, um, I moved back to the UK in two- 2017, which, you know, seems like a lifetime ago, in the days of uh, Brexit. Do you remember that? Uh, anyway. No, it's not a thing. <clears throat> Fake news. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, but moving back to the UK, obviously, I wanted to get a little bit more dedicated into artist management and the role of being a lot more closer to artists and helping to develop their careers and work with them uh, across the world. So it wasn't just about um, uh, being you know, from Asia and moving back to the UK. But I've always wanted, and as you know me, I've always kept my connections up in Asia throughout the two and a half years I've been back. And I think the catalyst to, to transfer from Grey London to another company happened when I was very successful in um, signing a Philippine artist uh, as a management um, arrangement and getting her signed to Warner in the Philippines. And it really sort of reopened my my love for the Philippines and, you know, that market specifically and its place within Southeast Asia as well. So for me, looking for a partner in that part of the world became a lot more focused. And I met a, a gentleman called Gucci Lorenzana, um, through Zoom, so we actually haven't actually met face to face, but we really got on very well wow, and decided to that, merge. That, that, that's, a, that's a proper COVID story you got there. It is, it is, it is. It's very interesting, you know. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, when you want to go into partnership with somebody, you really want to get to know them. I've made mistakes in my life going into partnership with people, and it hasn't worked out. Even when you've met them, you've lived with them, and you've fought with them, or whatever. So you learn your lessons along the way. But when you get to meet someone through this current situation, you know, Goody and I met in January, just at the end of, no, actually it was later than that, mate. It was February, because it was literally as we started to do Zoom anyway. And then everyone started to lock down in, in March and the rest is history. So, yeah, it did form out of the current um, climate about what's going on. Um, so uh, exciting times. Uh, so you obviously you're, you're a management company, they're a management company, and it is the essence of it. You're just kind of pooling resources, using the the advantage of your sort of 
different geolocations to just provide a better service for for you know but both, both rosters absolutely spot on we've wanted to you know there's always been this talk of uh, you know things like inside out outside in strategies for artists uh, trigger cities all these concepts that have come come a, a, along the way in the last you know six months to one year i've always found it really hard to find the resource in asia that really understands a global sensibility a lot of people in asia do i think they actually under understand a global sensibility more than some people in the west actually um, but finding the right partner wasn't very easy. And so Goody's team over there have become so resourceful to the artists that I manage in this part of the world. And so that resource has been so powerful. You know, Filipinos are great. I mean, they're fantastic people. You know, they're everywhere around the world. And when you think about the way they operate um, as individuals and in the management side of things, it was very important for me to find a partner that could really help sort of surround themselves with the belief of an artist as well, which is really important. And yeah. they already had that, which I found was really useful. Yeah, uh, awesome. So, I mean, we obviously we've been talking about Asia a little bit here. That that's a yeah. uh, a huge part of you know your kind of recent history, I suppose, and, and a good part of your just general history. So, can can we sort of wind, yeah. wind the clock back all the way back? And I mean, how did you end up leaving the UK and spending yeah. was it seventeen years out there? Twenty two. Oh my god! Really? Wow. I know. I know. It will. If I count the eighteen months in Jakarta, it's twenty two years. Goodness. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lifetime, really, when yeah. you think about it. I guess I'm I'm, I'm quoting the number that you told me when we first met. I think that's why I've got seventeen <laughs> in my head. So you, you carry on, carry on, carry it's probably on. Probably true, actually. Yeah. 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 My God, you're actually spot on there, Alex. That's exactly it when we met. Um, my math so teacher would the, be the proud. Year, yeah. The year was nineteen ninety five. Um, and uh, it was the end of the Thatcher years. So capitalism was, you know, dead or whatever people might want to think of, you know, the mid-90s. Um, but I had made the choice to want to leave the country. I, I decided that it was time for me to, you know, find pastures anew somewhere else. You know, everyone, I think when they get to their mid-30s, the grass is always greener on the other side. And so they try to find the other side. And um, I was very fortunate that... Um, my other sides were either going to be Greece or Singapore. Um, the idea of Greece would have been, I would have set up a bar and would have been playing in the bar, in the band, you know, that sort of thing, but just didn't feel feel right. I was, you know, it was at the end of my music playing career and I wanted to look at the business side. So I'd already been going to Singapore on business and um, it, it was a natural progression, was blown away with the way things were in Singapore in the mid-90s, a very different place. I mean, I had been going prior to that time anyway. Um, and so I, I turned up in Singapore and spent two weeks looking for a job. And on the last day of looking for a job, um, a very kind gentleman said to me, um, would you like to have my car, my apartment um, and my company for two weeks and tell me what you would do to change it? And I was like, yeah. So it wait, was just wait, a natural what? How did that? That's... <laughs> Wait, would it, that sounds like a like a, I walked into this bar and I met this guy and yeah. he, and he, and he <laughs> no, went, listen, here's some keys. Uh, yeah. Well, so how did that? Wait, how did that come about? Come on, give us so more. It wasn't give us a more music detail. company, right? Yeah, it wasn't a music company. So my my career was, you know, whilst you're in the music business, as far as an artist is concerned, you've got something else going on in the background. So for so for most of my playing career, I was a printer or graphic designer, basically. So I knew print publishing very well. You know, obviously the internet was was kicking off. So my expertise in that area was quite strong as well. So um, two weeks in in Singapore, on the last day, literally the last day, I had an interview with a gentleman called Charles Cousins, a fellow Brit 
who has become a very good friend, still is to this day, uh, still lives in Singapore as well. Um, and uh, he gave me the longest interview in the world. I mean, it was like two weeks. Literally, we met, we sat down, we spoke. He kept walking off, wandering off. His business was print. So he was in the business of print. And it was very much like, for, for all the Brits in, in the world will know Pronto-Print. It was Pronto-Print. So it was a Pronto-Print office in Singapore. And so uh, I spent literally that day having conversations with him. He took me for lunch. We came back. He went off and spoke to a couple of staff members. He sat me in his desk. And then right at the end, no, no truth of a lie, it was exactly as it was. He said to me, so look, I'm about to go on holiday for two weeks. Would you like to take my apartment for two weeks? I know that you're flying back to London, but would you like to take my apartment for two weeks? Uh, I'll give you my car, and I want you to write a report for me after that two weeks on how you changed my business. Amazing. And the rest is history. That's incredible. Okay. All right. Yeah, so I mean, I, mean I, I spent those two weeks, obviously, working on his business in, infrastructure, looking at what he had. Mm -hmm. These were the days of, you know, um, the old IMAX. Um, sorry, no, going back to even before the IMAC came out, the one that we know. Um, and it was a it was a printing business. It was very much a graphic design printing business that was in the 80s and wasn't even anywhere near where the new millennium was going to be. Right. So uh, I obviously always think ahead as best as I can. And for me, it was a really good opportunity to sort of paint some really cool pictures, tell some good stories, uh, save him some money. And obviously making some money along the way, which was quite good for my first couple of years in in Singapore. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so and how long did you, how long was that sort of appointment for? That was just under two years, and then um, obviously I established in Singapore. You know, started my life in Singapore as an expat, but not certainly not paid um, to sort of like you know be there. I chose my own choice of being out there, but live a life of you know going down to Boki every Friday night to meet other expats. Never really mixed with the locals. Um, was really tough to to even think about doing that at that time because it was a whole new world for me, you know, for me for me personally. So um, from there on, what was interesting was the corporate life, the multinational corporate life started knocking on the door, and the first company was Adobe, Adobe Systems. Right. So my print element of my life carried on, and Adobe were just it's interesting times when you think about where Asia is today, um, how companies were just setting up back in the late nineties. So Adobe was setting up their first Southeast Asian office in 98 and uh, I went through a recruitment agency um, got hired as their product specialist so I was doing all the demos I knew every Adobe product for 20 minutes I could literally stand on a stage and do a demonstration of Photoshop but then once I got to 20 minutes worth then there'd be the technical questions I was quickly whisked off stage so nice. the technical guy would come up so change over you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was a good job because it got me in front of audiences mm -hmm. which is really cool when you're in your late 30s you're starting to sort of present a little bit more and get used to an audience of, you know, sometimes it was like thousands of people, like we did, you know, Apple World and all these different things where you're presenting. And it was at a time during Adobe's um, life where new products were coming out. Acrobat was becoming very powerful. Um, Photoshop was clearly the most, one of the most powerful tools they had. They uh, they hadn't acquired Macromedia at that time, so there was no web tools uh, with Adobe. So web was beginning to get um, a lot of interest. Um, they were trying to get into video, but my next... Um, my next company really got me into back into music and video, which was Apple. Oh, well, never heard of them. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was a great time. It was uh, it was the millennium. Actually, I started at Apple at uh, two thousand January the first. Wow. That was my first. Well, January the second was the first day there in the office, um, and it was. The, it's actually the one and only time I've been poached. 
it was quite nice to be wanted by someone else you know, it's uh, definitely nice to be wanted <laughs> yeah it is it is uh and you know i literally was 40 years going into my 40th year um and it's apple computer i mean that's what they were called in those days and it was a great time because there were products that were flopping like the cube um there were the acquisition of this this software called logic never heard of it before you know it's that, like i mean work. obviously i had heard of it yeah no exactly final cut pro logic yeah. and of course they came up with this interesting little five gigabyte hard disk called the ipod um and it was ridiculous. very interesting yeah i know a five gigabyte hard disk that fits into your pocket well, i mean what, what do you want to put what would you do with it yeah pointless exactly store music what? simple as that what yeah, no I way know. wow what, i know what an know. idea yeah, put it into your pocket, and there it is, 1,000 songs in your pocket. Wow. <laughs> but it was an interesting time because when you're in Singapore, you're actually far removed from corporate headline, you know, headquarters and, and the market, you know, the economies of scale. You know, I won't go into numbers. Well, I will. Um, Apple was a $6 billion company then. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> they do like 20, I don't know what they do, but they do more than that a quarter, obviously, uh, clearly. Half of the world's income, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <clears throat> So back in those days, Apple was still very much a creative industry company. You know, our core. Co- I mean, my my job was creative markets. So I was working with, you know, musicians. I was working with musicians. I was working with filmmakers. I was working with graphic designers. So for me, it was actually a really cool position to be in because you were sort of like an evangelist. You never called yourself that, but everyone used to say, "Oh, you're such an evangelist," you know. But it's easy to be known as an evangelist when you're working for Apple. But when when the iPod came around, it was very interesting because everyone's ripping their CDs, popping them into their computers and putting them onto their iTunes. And then iTunes never came to Singapore or Asia and Southeast Asia until 2012. Wow. So none of us were able to buy music. Oh, in, oh, you, mean, Asia, you, mean, you mean the download part of it? So, the download so, so the part, software yeah. was there, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I actually I remember all that. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, I remember, I remember vividly at Music Matters in 2012 when Head of Universal got up on stage and the picture of his uh, first slide was a steam train. And he said, this is the music industry in Southeast Asia. And this is 2012, picture of a steam train. And it's like all the, all the Brits, the Americans in the room are like, what? You just got iTunes? <laughs> it's like, what, man? You know? And it, that's, that's Asia. It's been behind the curve for quite some time. But quite frankly, today is, in some cases, very much ahead of the curve. Absolutely. You know? But Apple was a great time. I loved it there. Four years. Um, it was... Not all that it's cracked up to be. I met Jobs once, you know, nice guy. But, you know, you hear all the stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Met Tim Cook a couple of times. That was quite good. And met Johnny Ive as well, which was useful because they were manufacturing in Singapore as well. Well, assembly. You know, they they didn't really have a manufacturing plant. They weren't making things there. They were just telling people to put this here and that there, that sort of thing, which is what's happening still today in Asia, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But great time. Absolutely great time. So from Apple... I think there's a guitar, yeah. there's a guitar company in here somewhere, isn't there? In your history. Mm. So from Apple, I went into education and music. So I had about eight years in education. I was actually working for the newest polytechnic in in Singapore, and I was involved in setting up a new school, School of Technology for the Arts for Republic Poly. Um, we did Sonic Art, we did New Media, did a whole bunch of new programs, and I was then beginning to sort of um, get uh, more into wanting to be working with artists. And of course, um, after the time at Republic Poly, I worked with the government of Singapore on skills development. So I was helping on the creative industry development um, of the nation because it was a, it became a very, you know, typical, you know, it was a very buzz phrase in Singapore in the late 2010, 
you know, the creative industries. We need to do more in the creative industries. So Singapore was, again, a bit behind the curve, but was developing programs. Um, after that, as you probably recall, Music Matters turned up in Singapore from moving from Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And um, two things changed for me. It got me back into music directly. Number one, I set up a music association in Singapore. Yeah. Can you, just, can you just quickly touch on, touch on yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So in 2011... Um, I'm hosting a panel at Music Matters called With a Little Help from Our Friends and about how music associations help the, the music industry. And what was interesting was the panel was made up of um, uh, the American, uh, sorry, the Canadian Independent Music Association. We had APRA, so we had the Australian Publishing Association. We had Finland Export Office and we had the Singapore Tourism Board. So there was no, from a, you know, from a local point of view, there was nothing there that was really relevant. And uh, SCB, the Singapore Tourism Board, said to me, why don't you actually set up the um, uh, music association here in Singapore? So I thought about it. I thought, that's a bloody good idea. The nation needed to actually have more music. It needed to have more love for music. And so my idea was to then uh, speak to a, quite a few people in the industry and look at how we could uh, hopefully develop something. SG Muso, as it's called today, was, uh, was formed in 2012. I was chairman and, and president for five years. Um, 2017, obviously, I stepped down because I left. Still, still going strong. No, absolutely, and and you know has been a sort of focal point for certainly when whenever music matters is in town and and you know helping yeah. to get things organised, right? Yeah. Well, I, I you know I keep running uh, the academy for music matters, uh, even though I'm overseas. I still get involved in running the academy, and the academy has always been a way to give back to artists to let them have a chance to not have to pay the thousand dollar ticket to go to the, the conference and. The, the other aspects of uh, what Music Matters is. And what this does is it gives people free entry. And Alex, you know the Academy. You've spoken a couple of times. Thank you for keeping me relevant. Uh, that's, that's very, very handy to my career. I appreciate that. Yeah. I remember the I remember the, uh, the task of uh, being on the panel, how not to be a drop in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Alex Branson, he's a guy who can talk about that. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Music Matters has been very crucial to Southeast Asia, if not Asia in general. Um, I've worked with, with Jasper and Music Matters team, branded for, for many years, and the Academy has been a, a very important part of it because of SG Musa managing it. I run the programme, I put the programme together. It's very important that we have you know speakers that are at the conference, but also delegates that are at the conference to get involved a little bit more than just, hey, I'm there to learn, I'm there to meet, I'm doing networking. Um, so it's been a very important part and all the visiting artists that perform at Music Matters have benefited from, you know, the presence of an academy. Uh, we try to run it a little bit differently. It's not filmed. We don't publicize it. It's private invite only. Uh, so it's a very smallish niche audience between 50 to 100 people. Uh, when we get certain people in there, like we've had Cascade, we've had Steve Lillywhite, we've had, you know, um, uh, 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 Rob Ezrin, so we get some big names, John Meglin of AEG. When we get the big names in, then we get, you know, a whole host. And, and we have a real sort of up-close-and-personal chat with that person. I try not to moderate everything because it then becomes the Graham Perkins show. Uh, don't listen, really I, do I would tune into that. I, I think there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a the TV show in the, in the making, surely. Maybe. Everyone keeps telling me that I should do that. I should do something on YouTube or whatever. But oh, yeah. Um, who, yeah, maybe, maybe I should say that. I mean, dude, you, you got time in your hands. Yeah. Now. Come on. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm looking outside and the sun's shining. And uh, yeah, I've got no Zoom calls this morning, which is oh, great. Oh, goodness. That's because you're doing this. 
mm. <laughs> which is a, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. a, a hangout instead. Um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, good. Okay, and so uh, wait, we, had to, we haven't mentioned Fender yet. You when, meant, when, no, that's right. When did that yeah. come in? When was that? When was that part of your well, that, life? That was interesting. That was 2013, and only 18 months. Mm-hmm. Very sad. I think everyone has dream companies. You know, I, I as a graphic designer, my dream company was Apple, and I worked for Apple. Mm-hmm. But it never really was the Apple I thought it would be. It was great to work for Apple, but you were a, a, a silo away from the hub of what Apple's all about. I, you know, I can't make much comment about whether Apple's still the same today, but when you're working for a multinational, you are really beholden to um, head office. Um, but, you know, for a graphic designer, Apple was the key. As a guitarist, it's Fender for me. I mean, there's Gibson, there's other brands as well that are so important. But for me, it was always Fender. Being left-handed, Fender was always the best company for, to provide left-handed guitars. Right. So when the opportunity to join Fender came around, I, I jumped it. Um, 2013, um, got interviewed <laughs> via Google Hangouts. Actually, was, it, was it around at that time, Google Hangouts? Probably Skype, not. Skype, probably. Skype, probably, yeah. yeah 2013. Just, just before Microsoft bought it and ruined it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Apple and Microsoft. There's a love-hate relationship with everyone. Oh my right? god! Yes. Yeah, but Apple have a new hate now. They've got Samsung, so that's okay. Oh, they love Microsoft. Oh, happy yeah. days. Happy days. Yeah, but um, yeah, the the interview with Fender was all long distance um, uh, with their HQ in Scottsdale in uh, Arizona, and then I went to Nam in t- January 2013. Was given the job there and then, which was great after all the video interviews. And the role was market development in in Asia, mm-hmm. so uh, excluding China and excluding Japan. They had specific people in those markets. And it was a very interesting time because, you know, still think guitars are really important. I mean, there's more guitars being bought today than there's ever been um, because the average price for guitar today is 300 400 US dollars, whereas back in the day it was, you know, 1000 2000 and because there's all these other copies around, so you can buy a guitar relatively cheaply. And the role was to look at how to develop the market. And I think the challenge, obviously, in Southeast Asia and in other mar- other countries in, in, in Asia is that Fender didn't have offices, so they lent the brand to partners. And I think when you have that challenge of lending brands and the ethos around a brand, the culture around a brand to another party, uh, they don't really buy into it. And bearing in mind that these partners were selling keyboards, drums, guitars, different brands, and it was all about numbers to them. It was all about units. Um, so it was it was tough. But Fender was going through a, a tough time. I mean, they nearly went down twice. And this was the period when Fender was really going through a tough time. Within a year, unfortunately, my boss was made redundant. And six months after that, they decided to close offices. And unfortunately, Asia was where? Yeah. Let's just, you know, oh, anyone sure. that was earning over a certain amount of money, let's just, you know, unfortunately say goodbye. It was sad. But yeah. It happens, you know, it's just business. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and ever since then, I've been working on my own. So, you know, since 2014, um, it's been about being an executive producer, being an artist manager, uh, being a consultant, you know, so many different things that I've done along the way. Have I, had, have I really looked for other jobs? Yes, of course, I have. I've looked every now and then for a job now and then, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, some interest in some areas, uh, but you know, the idea of being on my own and running my own business. You know all about it, Alex. Don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that, that that entrepreneurial pull is very strong mm. in some of us, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and at a late time in my life as well. I mean, I was 54 when I was made redundant at Fender. 
Um, so, you know, I'll be turning 60 this year. Goodness. And I know. That's ridiculous. Know. It is ridiculous. It is. How can anyone be 60? But it's going to be a good but. party, right? What, <laughs> right? what are we doing? Come on. Send me, send I don't me, know. There's, me, there's, there's a bar in... There's a bar in Romford, I believe, that might be uh, hosted. You never know. In Collier Row, but yeah, absolutely, and uh, we can absolutely <laughs> do it at the bar. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> good. Uh, wicked. I'll just take. I'll take the booking later on. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Okay, so uh, thank you for all of that. That's uh, that's fascinating. I mean, obviously, we, we met through an Indonesian connection. Uh, we, you know, we've got mm. lots of sort of friends in common um, out there, mm. Um, mm. and you know that that's you know that's a, a country that I've obviously had a, an involvement with in trying to sort of help develop and, and all the rest of it. And you know, we're yeah. getting, getting some uh, getting some wins on the table at the moment, which is great. Um, but so mm. I, I think one of the things that I wanted to ask you because you know this this podcast is kind of if you listen to the six month update, it started as something to sort of help young people coming into the, the, the music industry, although it does seem to be just anyone will listen to it, which is great. Um, but one of the yeah. things I wanted to just ask you, I mean, you know, you've kind of taken us on this sort of history of like, sort of jumping around a bit, right? You've, you know, you've done not only yeah. work for yeah. different companies, but you've done different things. Do, do, do you think mm. that's like, do you think that's important like for, for people sort of when they're starting out, do you think they should have a slightly <clears throat> broader kind of, you know, thought or is it, what do, what do you think? It's a very good, very good question, actually. I think as a younger person, you're always told to focus and have a plan and, you know, what you're going to do for the next five years of your life. Uh, I'm going to quote a film but here, and, I'll, and I won't go into too much detail, but I think we need to be uh, telling people to plan to be surprised because you just don't know what's going to happen. Look at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting ready for 2020, you know, crystal vision. This is what we're going to do, and here we are on Google Hangout. And I haven't seen you for God knows how long, mate. I know, um, it is depressing. I mean, I, I was going to uh, come down and hang out on the beach near where you live, but um, <laughs> apparently, that's, apparently that's not allowed. Uh, no, I won't, apparently I, not. I won't get you on that because I've seen your social posts on that. Um, <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the Visit South End, that gives it away. The yeah. Visit South End uh, uh, group are now posting, don't visit South End, please don't come down. And I'm afraid to say when the weather's nice down here, yeah. which we're going to have this weekend. I know. Yeah, all the EastEnders are be coming down. So, mm. well, we, you know, yeah. but but to go back to your yeah, but to go back to your point, it's a very good question because I think, you know, did I go into life doing all this? No, no way. I wanted to be, you know, at thirty years of age. I looked at myself. Thought, oh my god, what have I got? I've been a failed musician. You know, I, yeah, we got a record deal once and we played and we I had a great time. Um, I I don't own a house. I have no no children. You know, I'm not being you know the the person that the world expects you to be. Yeah. So I did for a couple of years. I, you know, um, got married, you know, had a child, bought a house, did all these things, got a normal nine-to-five job mm-hmm. uh, in publishing. It was great, but was never very happy. I, I, I do finish things. I'm not the sort of person that picks things up and don't finish them, but I do pick things up, finish them, and then I think, right, let's try something else mm-hmm. or let's do something else. I'm actually even thinking that now, even in artist management, what else can we be doing? You know, within the the auras of artists, using your words, sir. Wow. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, but uh, the the concept of what uh, a young person is developing as, they, I think it's tough for them. It's easy, it's harder for them today. I mean, you think of social media. Oh my God! You know, um, you and I know someone very well called Illy, um, who Who's, struggles who, every day. She's been on this podcast. Yes, she has. Yeah. I was I was there watching her interview. That was quite a while ago. It was actually six. Six months ago, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, November, yeah. end of last year, November, December, yeah, when we did yeah, that, right. we, we did that show with her. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I mean, you know, 
artists struggle because they have to be involved in so many different things. You know, they're involved in their socials as much as they want to be, and they can try and do one or two platforms really well, and then one falls by the wayside, and then TikTok comes along. And then everyone thinks, okay, let's just gravitate off to TikTok. Well, so everyone's now, you know, wondering what the hell is this thing and what are we doing with it? And then Twitch comes along the same. And, you know, Twitch is another one where we're actually being forced into communicating with our artists. And I think this is the other thing that's been really interesting is that every artist, the playing field has been leveled. Mm. Everyone is at home mm-hmm. and some of the video quality is really not very good. Mm. You know, they've got, they're doing it from their phone. They've got no recording facilities. And even some of the top artists, they might have a decent camera or decent, but they, they're out of their world. They really don't know this. Mm-hmm. So I think that we have to be surprised, plan to be surprised. And I think that's what I've always learned from my life is to, you know, not expect what's going to happen next. Um, but just live in the moment, try and plan as best as you can and know that it's not the first scene of Bugs Life by Pixar where the ants are all going down, uh, taking all the fruit and all of the, the nuts and a twig comes in between in between them and stops them from what they do and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really, that's what I've learned throughout my career and that's what I like to try and instill with, with the artists that I work with. Yeah, very good. <clears throat> very good. And I mean, management itself, I, I've always felt like it, it's it's the it's one of the most demanding roles in the industry but it also can be the most rewarding as well yeah, i mean how do, totally. how do you kind of keep sane like through those sort of highs and lows well i mean i say keep sane i mean that would assume that you are actually sane but you know let's just pretend you are for the uh, purposes of answering this question <laughs> yeah right um yeah it's a very very valid point um every single artist struggles with what they do they they're, they're going through a struggle at all times even though they you wouldn't think that um, they have so many things to think of when really at the end of the day, all you want them to worry about is making music because it's all about the music, mm. but they can't just focus on making the music. So the challenge obviously is to try and alleviate some of those things for the artists to not worry too much about it. Each one's different as well. I mean, now with, with Open Door, we've actually got 25 artists in total. Thankfully, there's a team of 10 people, so that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was on my own, as Grey London, it was me, you know, my daughter Asia was helping me to a certain extent in putting stuff up on, you know, backstage at Empire and Level and, yes. you know, in grooves and all those sort of things. But, um, you know, having the team has made a big difference. But there still is that cultural uh, relationship that you're building with an artist in trying to not get in their way, let them be creative in their own way. I'm very tempted to get involved in the creative process because I am a creative my, myself, I believe. Yeah. And I do have... You know, some artists do want me to get involved in that, but I start from the point where I don't get involved in the creative process. I let them find their own way, find their own mistakes, uh, find their own, you know, um, uh, successes along the way. But I think it is much tougher today for the artists when they've got so much to think about. And I think that's a challenge um, for, for anyone in the industry moving forward. How do I stay sane? That's a really tough question, actually, because there were moments in my life where I did, I, I weren't, it was, I struggled as well. And I didn't know what to do, where I should go as far as direction. But I think something happened at 50. Something happened. I actually don't know what it was. Hmm. But I became a calmer person. I became somebody who didn't let things phase me. You know, tomorrow's another day. And it really isn't another day. I mean, you know, this current situation, it's hard to believe that we're all going to come out of our holes and be the same people that we were before. So there's the next challenge, is that how do we navigate those environments when we all come out of this uh, this um, quarantine yeah no absolutely 
Uh, very mm. good. So I, I don't really have any more questions. And also we've sort of come up on the time of how long I want to kind of do these for. Um, so, sure, I mean, was there... Uh, yeah, is there anything else that you kind of like as as a should we just say an older gentleman? That's fair, isn't it? That's right. Like adv- just advice in general, sort of. You know, yeah. I mean, you just got obviously just given uh, you know quite a few things there. Is, is you know mm. is is management you something you'd recommend? Do you think that that perhaps people should go and have spend some time at a, a publisher and a record company and work perhaps for mm. a live agent? You know, kind of get that more rounded experience because of course management is about navigating all of that stuff. All of that's right. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of artists don't quite understand the role of a manager. You know, I'm not saying they're all the same, that they all don't get it. I've got a couple of artists who get it perfectly, at least exactly the kind of artist who really understands the role of the person she needs, you know, supporting her vision. Um, and I think a lot of artists don't understand that. And then, they, you know, you get asked to do some strange things along the way, and they have to learn, you know, that, you know, there are people that should be brought into the team to be able to do those sort of things. I think it, I think it's important that artists do focus on their craft and spend most of their efforts and time on their craft. But the problem is today they can't. They have to spend a bit of time, quite a bit of time on other areas. Engagement. I mean, Alex, you and I could talk to we're blue in the face about this side of thing. It's an area that is like head scratching. Why is it that artists can't engage with their fans as best as they can when they are thinking of their craft? And that's really important. I think spending time with others in those areas are really important. I think you just made a good point about working with promoters. I mean, I've got um, the band I manage up in Nottingham. One of them works for a venue. So he, he's actually got a lot of, uh, it, you know, a lot of um, experience with live music. You know, he's working with the venues, working with the management of the venues, working with the promotion side, he's working with the booking agent. Because as you know, in our, in our current uh, market, we have very mature tiers. You know, you've got your promoter, you've got your booking agent, you've got your publicist, you've got all these different things. In Asia, it's the Wild Wild West, and it still is the Wild Wild West, which actually does open up a really great opportunity because you can start building the infrastructure in place and how that will be, and especially with this current change, it's going to go to another level. But I really think for a young artist, I think the idea of focusing on their craft, it's a very simple thing to say, be original, <laughs> it's obvious a lot of artists find that really tough. Do it for themselves. That's another thing that I would obviously say as well. Don't do it for anyone else. Don't do it for your friends. They're the worst people to do it for. Don't do it for your family. Do it for yourself. And I think that's really what, what I get excited about. When I see an artist that is doing it for themselves, I contact them. I mean, I recently contacted a band um, from South London because I absolutely love their music and I love the way that they were doing things for themselves and started getting in conversations with them and I thought, oh shit, maybe I'm going a bit too far because there's no way I can take on any more artists at the moment, but I love new music and I love people that are doing it for themselves. So I think that's the first thing I would, would, would say. Alex, something you and I talk a lot about is data. It's an area I will be brutally honest with you, I struggle a lot with um, because yes, the data's there and it's important, but it's how do you use the data and how do you use the data without the artist? involved so that you're actually best leveraging from the artist's culture who they are and you're leveraging from that data in such a way to me the data is one third of everything uh you know the majority of it is is the the art form and the craft but the data has become one third i mean obviously engagement to me is part of data and some people will tell you that data is more important than the craft um for me it's you know the craft is still what it's all about but you cannot forget data 
the dopamine effect for artists is really tough. You know, the fact that they, they're looking at their socials, they're looking at their numbers, they release a song, they drop it in the ocean, and it gets 200 streams. And there's no follow-up, there's no marketing campaign, there's no sort of like socials that they're thinking of. You know, the, the experience that Illy had with Empire really has helped her, and the COVID situation has really helped her to understand the concept of self-sufficiency. She has become such a, a, a powerful artist by doing it all herself and not having the expectations of other people to do it. Not that she had that in the first place. She's never been that way inclined. But she's been forced into this situation. And I think the experience working with Empire helped her get lead up to that. And her experience now, obviously, of being locked down. And if I can do a quick plug, um, she's about to release a single Friday, 8th of May. I'm sorry I shouldn't date this, this podcast because it's now going to be going after 8th of May 8th of May yeah well no I tell you what yeah. I will try and get this out of the weekend so it'll be uh, it'll be relevant yeah, yeah yeah so Illy's releasing Breath and she's done it all herself amazing literally everything herself um, you've seen the video yeah Alex um, and I saw some of the, know, the, the build up to it the BTS stuff like yeah, I think I think to your, yeah. your, to your point she's getting mm. better at kind of working out why, yeah. what are people interested in and ultimately I, when I've met some of her fans with you they're interested in who yeah. she is they, they like who she is correct because of course yeah. that was kind of where, where she came from with the whole x-factor thing and people got yeah. to know her a little bit on that show and I, and, yeah and, yeah and those are fans that have stayed you know uh, you know in contact with, with her now yeah 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 that's so true actually the whole concept of who she is is really and she is a lovely girl you know she's oh, yeah. not somebody who's politically inclined she's not somebody who's got you know a drive to 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 focus on a certain message she is who she is she is the you know archetypal girl next door and i think that's what's so endearing about illy is that when you get to meet her and you get to see her and you know you've met her many times um and when you when you see the way the fans react around her there is no it really is um quite endearing when you see the the the, the girls and and Illy together and the guys because yeah. you know she has Absolutely. that as well. Well, that, yeah, I mean, and it, it's it's fandom, but it's not. Uh, I don't know. There, there's a closeness. It feels like between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like you know. It's you know. There's as a manager, you're always wary of who's around her. Mm-hmm. You know, you do play a little bit of a, especially as a an elder statesman or an elder gentleman. You know, being called dad, she doesn't do that. But you feel that way, yeah. you know. I mean, I have a I have a daughter the same age as Ellie, so yeah, you know, true. I know what it's like to think about the person's best interests. And when she's an artist, I'm always very wary about people that are around her and stand back. You know, as a younger person, I always wanted to be in in the front. I mean, I started off being a bass player and hated being a shoegazer at the back and said, right, I'm going to be a guitarist because I want the girls. And so I moved up front of the stage to you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. Today, it's not like that at all. And I've actually enjoyed the last 10 years taking a step back. And with artists like Illy, um, it's been a breath of fresh air. Hard work, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm not slowing down in any way. Maybe a little bit, but not that much. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, let's uh, let's yeah. wrap it up there. Uh, thank you so much yeah. for coming on and doing this, Graham. I really appreciate it. It's and, and my pleasure, and, mate. And all the best for the new... The new venture. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. Thank and, you. You know, and it's interesting. I actually just kind of on that that last point really, watching yeah. kind of, you know, independently funded, if you like, companies mm-hmm. you know, pull together and do those sorts of partnerships and, and mergers yeah. and how you know, however they're they're formed. But mm-hmm. in, in order to help cross 
territorial boundaries in a very sort of physical mm. way in a world that yeah. is increasingly digital but there's mm. that 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 physical component to it's so important building those relationships yeah. you know across different markets yeah. so yeah like i think it's a smart move dude yeah no i I'm, I'm really pleased that we we've found the right people to want to work with um partnerships are really important but you need to go that one step further with a with a merger and a relationship like yeah. this you need to literally live and eat everyone's you know environments and Guji is a lovely chap he's he reminds me a little bit of what I was like when I was his age so you know he's coming to his late 30s oh goodness um yeah I know <laughs> I know How does that feel? and he's had his first yeah he's had his first child oh, there you go. so you know he's he's living a life of normality to a certain extent but the difference with him is he's a celebrity in his own right mm-hmm. uh, he's an actor he's an artist himself so he understands that culture around being a creative professional he he's very respectful to me and I'm very respectful to him because obviously he's got knowledge that I don't have when it comes to the market in the Philippines. It's been a while since I've worked in the Philippines. I mean, in the last year, I've been working a lot closer with Keiko, um, my Philippine artist who signed to Warner. And it's been amazing. I mean, it's been absolutely amazing what we can what we've been able to achieve with Warner over there. They've been brilliant. But, yeah, I think the timing of this is per- perfect. I've always I know we're coming to an end, but there's one thing about. One area of disappointment I've had about the UK since I moved back about the music industry, mm-hmm. they're still calling it the Far East. What? Really? And you and I know, Alex, it's not that far. No. Oh my <laughs> you know, it may be seven hours time difference, you know, and I'm I'm having calls at 7am today mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to, you know, normal time. Yeah. And I'm used to saying good afternoon, salamat. Sorry, Selamat Pagi, whatever, you know, so yeah. depending on what time it malam, is. Yeah. Malam, exactly. A lot of malams, I'm afraid. Indeed. But uh, that has been quite a disappointment for me is that um, I hosted a panel last year um, at uh, Liverpool Sound City on, on uh, touring Asia. And the panel before was Brexit. What are we going to do? And it was all about, oh, Europe, you know, we're going to... I mean, it's a big market to Euro- you know UK artists. It's very important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important. But a little bit further on is this this wonderful territory called the Far East. Number one, it's not far. And this thing about what East is, well, it's a bit of a misnomer. Mm-hmm. And so what has disappointed me is that I don't think people here still are, are grasping what the potential is out there. But that's okay, because I get it. Yeah. And you get it. Yeah. So there's a group of people that do get it. And we will, you know, do our bits over there and, and benefit from that. And those that don't get it, well, it's entirely up to them. You know, if you're an American and you want to grow your business, you go to another state. You know, quite frankly, that's what you do. And I think the problem has been for, for Brits is that they've been going to Europe and they've forgotten other markets. Don't get me wrong. Europe's still very important and will always be important. But Singapore, the Philippines, Indonesia, um, Alex, you and I know this, you know, obviously when we talk about chart metrics and the data we're getting back from places mm-hmm. from that part of the world and cities like Manila and Jakarta. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll uh, keep going. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it feels, uh, feels still feels trailblazing, kind of the, the work that you and I yeah. do, which is great. Uh, yeah, keeps, yeah, keeps me going for sure. Good. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Well, again, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to no, uh, to, to come likewise. down and uh, hang out on the beach with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, mate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I'll see. I'll see you in Jakarta sometime. Oh, 100 uh, percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do that again. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Okay. All right.
So to my listeners, thank you for listening. I, As ever, I welcome all feedback, comments and suggestions for future shows. My Twitter handle is at Alex Branson. Put podcast DM in a message and I'll follow you back and we'll have a dialogue or head to the website, which is www.abcmusic.co and you'll find a contacts page on there with my email address on. So thank you once again for listening.